You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, today, of course, we've got, I mean, it's, it's, it's like every day this week. We're going to do some news and notes. I do want to add a little, um, little twist as far as looking at some NFL draft prospects. And then we're just gonna keep having fun, man. We're just gonna we're gonna keep riding that pony because it's so much fun. Who doesn't like to ride a pony? Exactly. So shut up. But let's get the news and notes out of the way. Elton Jenkins, Christian Watson, and Quay Walker were not practicing today. Darnell Savage did return. Aaron Jones and Jair Alexander were still practicing. So promising outlook for Aaron Jones and Jair Alexander. Um, a lot of people were very intrigued i guess i don't I don't know if they were upset or concerned or if it was just kind of something of note that everybody felt like mentioning jair apparently before the press conference was like i'm just gonna lie to you guys anyways so i mean cool if you want to ask me questions i guess which i mean i guess is kind of weird but at the same time i mean he's like a lot of guys several are in green bay that just are not super excited about talking to the media about stuff so I'm I'm personally I don't know what the opinions on that are or if, if there are going to be any or what but I don't that doesn't bother me at all. Uh, Matt Lafleur did speak to the media, um, kind of just talked about the injuries a little bit. Talked about Aaron Jones, obviously wouldn't commit one way or another, but just said he's moving in the right direction. Mentioned Elton Jenkins, they're just being cautious. I don't know if that means he's 100% good to go. It kind of sounds that way though. Um, they did say that the turf at MetLife is not really a consideration, which makes sense. I mean, I think their process is basically the doctors decide if their bodies are good enough to play, and if yes, then they play. Uh, he talked about Kenyon Drake and said, you know, if if need be, they will call on Kenyon Drake to play. He's experienced enough to be able to, uh, on short notice, go out there and play, so possible that we see him. But as far as the official injury report, uh, Jair, Devondre, Josiah, A.J. Dillon, Rashawn, Gary Elton, Jenkins, Aaron Jones, Keyshawn Nixon, Jonathan Owens, Jaden Reed, Darnell Savage, Eric Stokes, Quay Walker, Watts, Devontae Wyatt, all still on the injury report. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it either. Eric Stokes has been uh, practicing all week. He's been a full participant in practice. He was designated to return from IR, so he has a 21-day window to return, and it's looking relatively promising for him. Also, Josiah DeGuara been a full participant. We haven't seen him in a while, so uh, could have him back. I don't know how much of an impact that's going to be, but I will take it. Otherwise, in the wide world of sports, Justin Jefferson's return is officially official. As for the Detroit Lions, it looks like center Frank Ragnow is probably not going to play, which, like for the fifth week in a row, I will be pulling hard for the Chicago Bears, and this is uh, no different. You can call it rooting against the Lions if you want. I don't really care what you want to call it. I'm going to be a Bears fan again, and uh, I'm going to call it what I want to call it. I want the Lions to lose. I want the Bears to win. I don't just want the Lions. I want the Bears to win because I want them to hurt their own draft stock. And I want to also cast some doubt on whether or not Justin Fields should be replaced, because he's going to be replaced. They're probably going to get the number one pick, thanks to stupid Carolina. They're going to replace Justin Fields. So I want Fields to have just a freaking banner day, 
tear up Detroit, cast Detroit winning the NFC North into doubt as they spiral into despair. Bears fans get all excited about Justin Fields and how they're going to resurge even though there's nothing they can do this year and they're about to get rid of their quarterback and fire everybody. (laughs) So, yeah, just uh, you do whatever you want. I mean, you're going to burn the whole thing down anyway, so you might as well have the best possible team. What does it matter? This team will be gone next year anyways. Speaking of, why don't we dive into uh, the fun stuff? If you've been paying attention recently, um, you've probably heard a little bit in terms of Green Bay Packers fans and where they stand on things, the hype, the excitement, whether it's real. I mean, the the, the hype is real. Whether the uh, reality matches the hype is, is a different story, but it doesn't matter. Where we're at is at a different place than where a lot of Lions fans are at, and I want to give you a piece of that right now. Well... What started as positivity has now swung. And I, guys, I can't spit shine the uh, a turd here. I can't. Aleem McNeil missing at least a month. And it was termed as at least because IR, you're going to be out for four weeks. Do the math. You have five games left. Your magic number to clinch the division is three. But Aleem McNeil is arguably, okay, and you might lose the argument, but arguably, your most important defensive player. He holds it together, and he's on the IR now. That means you are down five defensive starters for a stretch drive, and this defense, it borders on non-functional. You go into Chicago this weekend, which is a team that, no, they're not world beaters, but they're revitalized. Not just because they beat you here, because they've played better football. Uh, I, I think it's a devastating injury. So, yeah, I I can't sit here and act like it's not. And I think it has to alter my expectations. If Aleem McNeil isn't playing, if you go into a playoff game without Aleem McNeil, you go into a playoff game without Anzalone, you know, we know you're not going to have Mosley. The odds would say you're not going to have C.J. Gardner-Johnson. And Maybe again, you have Houston. You, 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 now you're praying James Houston can come back. But the issue is there is no one to replace Aleem McNeil. No one. You got a cardboard cutout of a third-round pick in you know, Roger Martin. Saying, th- th- this is where you missed on Martin. This is where you – the depth, the depth factor. And now they just signed some fringe guy in Pete Shamalama Ding Dong, whatever his name is. David, the ticket text. No, I mean, because right now, I mean, your whole Indomitian suit thing is like, you know, why not? And it's not just because he played here. It's because he has consistently now been added to winning teams at the end of the year and plays in the stretch drive. I don't even like him. I think he's an abhorrent human being. But guess what? For 20 snaps a week, because I'd sign Satan. He helped I don't Rams. care. Yeah, he helped uh, the Eagles last year. Here's where it gets. Here's where you get angry when all of a sudden you see that one of the other team. Hey, he's going to the Cowboys. You know, you he going going back. He's going back to the Eagles. I can only imagine that chair. Yeah, he's going to the Niners. He would lose it. Nah, I'm broken now. Sorry about that, guys. Someone says thanks, David, KJ, and Warren. Another person is asking a real question. They're saying, what is the deal with Project Mart? Is he hurt? Why hasn't he played? I don't know if he's a real person. <sighs> Man, here's Broderick Martin's stats for the season. Rico? <laughs> Honestly, your third-round picks. I he stroked out for him. No, like, one dude's, in a, okay? one dude's <laughs> in a wheelchair. The other dude might be a cardboard cutout fan from the COVID era. 
the security guard on the sideline now. Right. Mike, you got to come here. What? Take two. Try it again. Yeah, I'm just going to skip that one. Mike, quit selling fear and let these fans enjoy their team. Oh, my God. Hold on. Stop. You got to stop. <sighs> you got to stop. I'm not selling fear. I'm trying to quantify what it means to lose this player. We just had breaking news. And, uh, okay, here. Change the scene, all right? It's not the same as far as talent level. But if you want importance to a defense, and we're doing radio in Dallas today, it's losing Micah Parsons to the Cowboys. Again, Ali McNeil is not that player, ability-wise. But what Parsons means to them mm -hmm. is what Ali means to you. It is, the defense. Right, it's the glue. Guys, what do you want me to do? I'll tell you what, if you want sprinkles and bubble baths, other day parts will give it to you. I'm legitimately concerned. We did the show yesterday saying, I'm so happy they won, but the defense has officially gone into is a problem mode. Now a day later, you find out you lose arguably your well, best defensive player. Guys, what do you want me to well, say? Well, think about it. We uh, Last week, we I put them in the, you know, check engine light is coming on. Maybe we need to take this to the shop. Well, you ignored the check engine light. Now it's definitely needs to go. It has to go to the shop. The Lions will get trumped in a home playoff game now. This defense is pathetic. Kevin in a car, frustrated. Someone's asking, what in the world happened to Isaiah Bugs? That's Chad in Canton. The Lions have just become the Florida State Seminoles. Don't even put them in the playoffs anymore. All righty, then. Oh, dear. Next man up. Hope we have a sloppy weather game in Chicago, because otherwise we're going to get destroyed without Aline. Anyways, it goes on like that for some time. I won't play the rest of it, but uh, just just to give you again a sense of where things are at. The the Lions are the team that is like we're the we're the ones who are destined. You know what I mean? Like we're the ones. It's our time now. This this should be us. And and you know, for for some Lions fans, I'm sure it's just a matter of hey. We're going to probably win the division this year. We're going to the playoffs. This is a great year, no matter how how where it goes from there. But to see things unravel just as the Packers begin to ascend is painful. And they've been having serious issues with their defense. And as you heard them say, Aleem McNeil, and I, as I've mentioned before as well, not usually a very good football player, been playing very well this year. He's going down. So I think the realization that it's done, it's over, right? I mean, it's 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 not uh, you're going to coast as far as what you've already done will take you. You're similar to the the Vikings last year, where down the stretch things are not going well. Obviously, you're going to coast into the playoffs because of what you've done up to this point, but it's not going to matter. You're not as good as these other teams. You're not even the best team in the NFC North right now. There's concern about even can I can we beat the the Bears, much less the Vikings and the Packers. And I mean, honestly, the Lions are just three point favorites, which is actually somewhat surprising. And I'm sure at different points in the season, that would have been a much bigger line, but three points is is like nothing. You know, you've got Ravens, Rams. That's that's two playoff teams. Ravens are seven and a half point favorites. The Lions are facing one of the worst teams in football and have and are three-point favorites. 
The Packers, by the way, I was going to save this for another time, but here you go, six and a half point favorites over the Giants. What is the confidence level here in the Detroit Lions? Obviously not very high. Meanwhile, Minnesota is playing the Raiders, same thing, three points. I mean, Minnesota's a favorite, clearly, but not a very good football team. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. It's a little bit early, but why don't we take our first break? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddies, where you can support the podcast, or hit me up on Venmo Pack on a podcast. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, folks, let's have some fun. Here is a little clip from, I don't know if you've heard of the website Player Profiler. I used to use it a lot. I haven't used it in a while. But um, the host, I, I have no idea what his allegiances are, but apparently it is not the Green Bay Packers, and it is probably a rival. But um, here is his comments, are his comments, on Jordan Love. Jordan Love? They're not going to replace him in the draft next year. They're not going to bring in serious competition for him next year. So Jordan Love's going to be the starting quarterback in Green Bay in 2024 and 2025. This is the thing we all just need to get used to. He's officially not bad. He's not bad. And, I mean, after this week, I don't want to say it. Oh, this is... Yeah, I just can't. I don't want to. Don't make me. 
fuck? He's gone! For the record, I have no issue with the pump the brakes takes. I think that's probably the best approach to take. However, as I've said before, and I will put this caveat in every single episode, just because I'm sure people have something to say about it, we're going to have fun with the situation we're in. And uh, on that vein, I just uh, got access to Grok, which is Twitter's AI, and I'm trying to think what I could use it for. And one of the things I thought of is, let's see if it can find me a couple receipts, (laughs) just for fun. That clip, by the way, is something I found using Grok. I know you can search, but you got to have a certain keyword in this. You know, I'm sure you can find some good stuff. But this is just kind of, uh, hey, find me some receipts. It's like, all right, cool. Of course, um, Mr. Ill Will over there, very well-known Packers, or excuse me, Bears uh, backer, says some pretty outlandish stuff. So obviously he came up a couple times. But uh, Joel Moran at Joel V. Moran, March 30th of this year said, not sure who needs to hear this, but Jordan Love will be a great NFL quarterback. Ill Will says, Jordan Love wasn't good in college. Jordan Love has not flashed in his limited time as a pro. Justin Fields was absolutely insane in college. As a passer, he has to throw that in because he knows we'll make fun of him. He's been electric in his limited time as a pro. Electric is a hilarious way to put it because it could mean a lot of things and it doesn't necessarily have to mean a good quarterback. One is based in hope, he says. The other is based in reality. Well, one definitely was based in hope. That's true. But this is absolute delusion (laughs) if you're thinking Fields is a good player. And uh, here we sit. The comments, New Jersey Bears fan, Joel seems to be hitting that pipe hard. Ill Will says, they call us delusional. (laughs) Yeah, yes, we do. Here's a good one. The Packers decided to draft Jordan Love over Chase Claypool, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, and LaVisca Chenault. Try naming a worse pick from the 2020 NFL draft. That's Mason Dodd, FFN. He's got like 30,000 followers creator of Flock Fantasy on YouTube. Here's one from Pronoun Pumpkin Pie. I don't know what that means, but he's got 50,000 followers. Um, After the Packers drafted Jordan Love, he tweeted, L-M-A-O, and there's about a thousand O's. He commented beneath that, I watched way too much Jordan Love last year, and he's not good at all. If he's remotely successful in the NFL, it'll be a coaching miracle. And then there is this. This is um, Damon Amendolara, 42,000 followers, whatever. Host, morning, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time, Sirius XM's Mad Dog Sports Radio, NFL Network's Top 10, MLB Network, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter. CBS Radio, go. The biggest concern with Jordan Love is obviously the turnovers. I mean, this guy had as many touchdowns as he did interceptions this past year, but it's more than just touchdown interception ratio. By the way, I forgot to mention, the person talking is Austin Gale from PFF. He is PFF's draft analyst. Ready, go. This guy is easily the most inaccurate quarterback of any of the top five quarterbacks in this class, especially when you filter down to open throws. You look at open throws. PFF has been doing specific ball charting at the collegiate level for the past three years, and when you look at his open throws, more inaccurate than Justin Herbert, Kua Tsunovailoa, Joe Burrow. He's just very inconsistent in that regard. He's a late processor. The reason you see the Green Bay Packers trading up and selecting him in the first round is because if you watch Jordan Love's five best throws, you get a little taste of Patrick Mahomes. He can do that off-platform, out-of-structure stuff. 
you see Patrick Mahomes does. Because he has 10 out of 10 arm talent. This guy has a beautiful arm, can do anything you want on the football field. The problem is the consistency. You don't, his five worst plays are some of the worst plays you'll see at the collegiate level from the quarterback position. And he did it at Utah State in the Mountain West, not against top flight competition. There are a ton of concerns with Jordan Love, but all it takes is one. One quarterback coach, one front office that thinks they can get those five best plays from Jordan Love all the time. They can turn him into that next Patrick Mahomes. I think that's what the Green Bay Packers think they can do by sitting Jordan Love behind Aaron Rodgers, maybe for a year, maybe two, and developing him into this premier starter. So first of all, I, I honestly don't have anything super. I mean, it's it's funny. Ha ha, you dummy, whatever. But I mean, honestly, he's not saying anything in terms of projection. He's just stating facts, and there's nothing wrong with that. The thing that I really enjoy about this, though, is that it kind of it hammers home the point that I've been trying to make about Jordan Love. There are a lot of issues, but he has upside that a lot of guys do not have. And as you said, those five best plays that you'll watch him play in college are very reminiscent of Pat Mahomes' Aaron Rodgers. He's that guy. And you're trying to find a team that's swinging for the fences, saying if we can get the best out of this guy, we can have a Pat Mahomes. That's why I'm excited. I mean, I, I I don't think that the majority of people truly understand. I was listening to a program. I was going to play it on here. I decided against it. Um, it was one of the shows that I was, uh, I forget what they call it, but Stats and Scheme, I think it's called or something. I don't know. But the guy started talking like, well, I think he's what, like the 15th best quarterback. And the other guy seemed hesitant and was like, well, I mean, he seems to have like top five potential. And the guy lost his mind. Like, you got to be out of your mind. People are not paying attention. Like they, they're starting to get it right. The Packers are actually looking good, and Jordan Love, he's actually looking good. But, but they're saying good in terms of like, wow, he doesn't suck, and he actually might be like competent. He actually made some pretty good throws. You don't understand if this guy hits his full potential, top five, top three, number one, it's all there. Now I don't know if the consistency is going to be maintained. I don't know if he's going to completely fall off. I don't know what's about to happen with Jordan Love, but please understand the Packers didn't draft a guy to come in and be Kirk Cousins. They drafted a guy to be Patrick Mahomes, and he sat in the best possible situation, and he's starting to show us Patrick Mahomes. He's starting to show us Aaron Rodgers. So it's, it's you know, I, you feel uncomfortable saying that because it's like, oh, you're being ridiculous. You can't just throw around names like Pat Mahomes. Right? Yes, I can, because that's specifically why Jordan Love was drafted. Because he's either going to be Pat Mahomes or he's going to be out of the league in a couple years. He's not going to be some middle-of-the-road guy. I've been saying that for months now, and that's what gets me excited. And again, I like that we go all the way back to 2020 and hear Austin Gale from PFF to basically say the same thing. Now, he's obviously saying it from a skeptical standpoint. He's making it sound like the Packers are stupid. You know, it just takes one of those teams to see those flashy plays and get all excited and like, oh, we think we can this, that, or the other. And it's like, okay. Probably not, but that ex- that was exactly the thought process for the Packers, and we know that that's how they operate. They find the guys that have elite potential, even if it means there's a, a, a less likelihood that they reach their potential. They don't care, you know. I mean, Mac Jones could could might have a higher possibility or or whatever of reaching his full potential, but his potential is not Jordan Love's potential. I'm not sure that anybody in that draft class had the potential of Jordan Love. It's the reason Jordan Love is a first-round prospect to begin with. That's why people are asking, like, why would this guy even be a first or second round? He's terrible. Like, he sucked. He played for Utah State. 
He wasn't even that good. Like the inconsistencies, the interceptions, all this stuff. Like why in the world would he even be in the conversation? Because in the very slim chance that we get the best out of this guy and we can coach out some of the bad stuff, he's Patrick freaking Mahomes. That's why. And nobody understood that. Well, I shouldn't say nobody, but the the day-to-day people that you talk with on social media, they didn't get it. Yeah, Tua was a better college quarterback that played for a bigger program. Tua doesn't have Jordan Love's arm talent. He doesn't. And that doesn't even mean Jordan's going to be ever as good as Tua. Tua might have a much better career than Jordan. I'm not, you're not hearing what I'm saying if that's what you think that I just said. You're not understanding me. I'm simply talking about top-tier potential. Jordan Love had the most potential maybe since Pat Mahomes. Say maybe because I don't feel like going back and looking it up. But that's how you get a guy like Jordan Love in the first round. With all the the glaring flaws that everybody hated about him. That's how that happens. Because his upside is through the freaking roof. And, and, And Pat Mahomes had issues too. There was a lot of concern about Pat Mahomes. Maybe not as much as Jordan Love, but it, it, was, it was a very high-risk, high-reward play. And it panned out, and look at what they've got. So the significance of Jordan Love starting to look good is very significant. <laughs> very, very significant. Again, it's just a matter of, like, how consistent is this? Like, is this, is this going to be a thing, or is it maybe just we're seeing those flashes and it's going to go back to the way it was with the inconsistencies and all that? That's the question, and that's why I've basically just been saying this whole time, please just hang on. Don't regress. You don't need to get better. Just please, please hang on. Anyways, the host then asks, if he sits two years behind Rodgers and plays in year three, would you feel better about this pick? I think he'll be a better quarterback if he sits on the bench behind Aaron Rodgers at just the speed of the NFL, get some preseason and practice reps in. I think he'll be a better quarterback then, but will he be better enough to be worth this first-round pick? That's that's where you really have to decide, was this worth it? Or would you have been smarter to build around Aaron Rodgers, maximize this admittedly tight window you have with this 36-year-old quarterback to win a Super Bowl? Maybe go get a wide receiver, help this team, help Aaron Rodgers win, not plan for the future after Aaron Rodgers. Well, that's the question, isn't it? Could have got LaVisca Chenault. <laughs> oh, boy. But I think this might be the final one I wanted to uh, to look at here because, again, I just I don't agree, and I feel like looking at it from where we are today, let's just pretend Jordan Love is this good forever, right? Looking at it from where we sit today, do, would we still think this way? This is from Archon 14. Even if Jordan Love is good, the Packers would get virtually zero surplus value from his rookie contract, effing disastrous selection from a process perspective. Why in the world does rookie, like, why would that weigh so heavily? How many elite quarterbacks right now are on their rookie contract, and should they find somebody to replace them? If not, what are you talking about? Who gives a crap? Is that, is that all you get? You get a four, maybe five-year window with a quarterback to win on their rookie contract to throw a bunch of money at other players? And then if you can't, you just quit and you find a new quarterback or what? I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Patrick Mahomes is not on his rookie contract. He costs a lot of money. Are, are the Chiefs in a bad situation as a result of that? Should the, should the Packers have moved on from Aaron Rodgers basically after his first year? Or did, was it okay to hang on to him? This is such a dumb dumb thing to say 
what freaking process are you using? It's a contributor for Acme Packing Company, apparently. Bottom line, though, I just have no idea what you're talking about. I just, from a process standpoint, what process? Would it be better to have more time with him? Yes, of course. Like, just from from a standpoint of, you know, it'd be better to have somebody play than not play, that's of course true. Would it be better to have an opportunity to have him early when you have more free money? Sure. I mean, I suppose there's a chance that you could win a Super Bowl in those first few years and you could use those money, that money to get you there. Sure, but in the grand scheme of things, I mean, just, just let me just ask you, as a Packers fan who watched most likely all of Aaron Rodgers' career, how much better was it when he was on his rookie contract? How much do you remember about his rookie contract? What about Pat Mahomes as a rookie on his rookie contract? Any, any thoughts on that, or does it not ring a bell whatsoever? Because who gives a crap? I don't remember. I, I, I have no idea. Like, what was the Chiefs' situation? How much better was it? I, I don't know. What do you want me to say about his rookie contract? I have no idea. I don't remember anything. I mean, I, pretty much everybody from Jordan Love's draft class just got signed. So all those teams are screwed, right? The Eagles are done. They're cooked. They're dead. Just, just give up. Because everybody that wins a Super Bowl wins it with somebody on a rookie contract, apparently. I just have no idea what you're talking about. Anyways, let's take our final break. I want to come back, and um, I want to do one more video of analysts starting to notice, and then I want to turn our attention to the NFL draft, talking about a prospect whose name is starting to come up uh, more and more and more, especially as the Packers drift toward the back of the first round. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Brutal call at the end. We'll talk about that later. But the most encouraging part of Jordan Love's performance last night. A, he had no fear of letting it rip. Now, and B, Matt LaFleur is now allowing him to let it rip. By the way, that entire take, which he's going to really lean into, um, I don't know if that's for self-preservation purposes or what. I think it's kind of nonsense, but let's just let him continue. They were not in the preseason. They were not in September. Love was awful in October. There was a lot of hand-holding. We kept saying it. Let it go. When you watch Jordan Love, he'll never be as precise as Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot more Favre here. He's mobile. He's got a good arm, but he can be erratic. You know, his mechanics, hit and miss, throw to throw. But there's some Favre here. And with Favre, you understood there would be ugly picks. He would miss throws. He would be wild. But he was a gamer, and he could go toe-to-toe with anybody. And I think Favre and Jordan Love, now I'm not saying he is Favre, but he made a couple throws last night. He's not going to be precise. That's not what he is. His game, like Favre's, is built around swagger and confidence. And when he's allowed, remember, we kept saying this over and over. Matt, let him go. He's the kind of athlete that needs, you know, he needs some space. He's not a precision thrower. He's not Peyton, right? Like not Russell Wilson, no mistakes, although he had three yesterday. There are certain players that play certain ways. They're kind of predictable. You know what they're going to do. Even when they move around, it's kind of predictable. That's not Favre. That's not Josh Allen. That's not Mahomes. And that's not Jordan Love, though he's not in that class yet. 
he got a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but he was bad in October. He looked, uh, he looked apprehensive in September, and he didn't look like anything in the preseason because they wouldn't let him do anything. But what he has now is buy-in in the building, and this is a big deal. Justin Fields has no buy-in in the building. How do I know that? Because watch the play calls. They don't trust Justin Fields. They don't trust Zach Wilson in New York. They don't trust Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. They don't trust him. You can tell from the play calls. What last night showed you, and I said this last week, I don't care if he wins or loses, he's got to get buy-in in the building. And he's got it. You can tell from the throws. They're just letting him let it go. They were not in preseason. They were not in September. They started to in October. But Matt LaFleur deserves credit for just saying, you know, this kid's style, you could see it on YouTube at Utah State. You could see it last night in the last two weeks. He's not going to be a precise thrower all the time. He's going to have bad picks and wild throws. But that's not how he's, he's not built to be precise. That's, that was Brady. That's Kirk Cousins. That's Drew Brees. That's not what Jordan Love is. And I think Matt LaFleur deserves a lot of credit. You also have to consider this. One of the things, and we've been on this for years, one of the things Green Bay does, and they don't get a lot of credit for, is that they draft and develop offensive players about as well as anybody, and they almost never draft them in the first round. Tight ends, receivers, running backs. I mean, good God, they've drafted more wide receiver talent in the last two years than Belichick has in 18 years. Dobbs, Watson, Wicks, uh, Reed, Kraft, the tight end. They got players all over the place. They're all twitchy. Watson gets banged up a lot, a bit fragile, but there's all sorts of talent here. And generationally, they're Jordan Love's age. Aaron Rodgers felt like an old front man and the band was a bunch of hipsters. Like he didn't feel like it worked. This is perfect. Jordan loves young, talented, he'll make mistakes. And Watson will drop passes. And Dobbs will run the wrong route. And Jordan Love won't be frustrated with them. Because he's their age. They're all learning together. There's an inertia, a symmetry. It's all moving in one direction. Aaron was a great talent. But it was the old guy rolling his eyes at the kids. This is like a young band. They'll hit some notes and miss on others. But more than anything, he's got the buy-in from the staff. They're letting him let it go, and they were not early. And You know, it's interesting. What Matt LaFleur is saying is we wanted him to let it go, but he wouldn't let it go. And maybe it was the pressure of Rodgers. Uh, it's title town. There's a lot of pressure being a Cowboy quarterback, a Steeler quarterback, a Packer quarterback, a, you know, right? LaFleur is saying we wanted him to just let it go. So maybe it was Jordan Love not letting it go, but whatever it is, he does not look like the same player he did a month ago. He didn't even look like the same player. Last night, that throw to Watson in the back of the end zone. Whoa! Everybody, the announcers were like, what a catch. I was like, yeah, the catch is fine. I've seen that before. <laughs> that, that was a top five throw of the year. That was a great, that was Favre. That was Mahomes. That was Allen. So we don't know what he's going to be. He's going to be. But right, but he's not a precision thrower. That's not what he is. He's a tall, mobile athlete who can back foot it, sidearm it, throw with no stability, and some are magic, and some are ugly. But it's fun to watch. I work at Fox. We have Packer games. That was a good quality product. That was fun to watch. Remember years ago when Mahomes faced Goff in L.A., and Goff played really well? Win or lose, and he won, he got buying in the building. People went, oh, Goff can, Goff can play in these games. That's really important. And Jordan has it and delivered. So we got Colin Coward at least uh, one foot back on the train here, which is nice. Um, but I, I actually thought, although again, I wildly disagree with what he's saying about 
Jordan wasn't letting it go early. Yes, he was. He was always just slinging it all over the place. That was his whole thing is he's, he's taking a lot of shots. It's just not really working too well. In fact, that was used as evidence um, in his favor about, you know, the inaccuracy. It's because he throws so many deep passes and whatnot. But anyways, I did think it was a pretty good point, and it, it kind of um, alleviated a little bit of my stress because although we don't know that he's not going to be an accurate quarterback, right? He's saying that. We don't know that. He might end up being an accurate quarterback, a precision quarterback like Aaron was. Maybe he can be a combination. You know, I don't know what what can or can't or will or won't happen. I have no idea. But it does provide a little bit of, um, I guess, just just leeway in terms of he doesn't have to stay perfect. He, you know, Brett Favre wasn't perfect. He had some really ugly throws, but he was still a really fun quarterback. He was a really good quarterback. You could win a Super Bowl with him. You could do magical things. You could run up scores and do everything else. But you just got to put up with a little bit of volatility once in a while, but you still loved him. And you loved the product that he put on the field. And so, again, it just it provides a little bit of buffer there where even if Jordan, you know, I do not want to lose to the freaking Giants, but even if you have a couple games where it's like, dude, what are you doing? As long as what we see consistently is what we saw against the Chiefs, we all will tolerate like a ugly, what the heck was that kind of pick. You know, Rodgers didn't have a lot of those. He threw some picks, but I mean, it was mostly like, it was almost never, and it was usually something that was either understandable or not his fault at all. Favre had a couple of those, you know, similar to what we saw the, the Dobbs thing. You know, I mean, if that ended up getting picked, it would be like, what is that? But again, you go on to win the game or you, you go on to beat the Chiefs or, or beat the Giants by, you know, 14 points. You look back on those types of throws and go, that eh, that's just Jordan. But we don't know. So that's what makes it scary. You know, if he if he plays poorly against the Giants, is it, oh, shoot, he's actually bad? Or is it just, hey, he's he's just like Favre, you know, he's going to have some up and down roller coastery things. But overall, he's going to and that's that's the question. What is overall? That's what I don't know. All right, we still got more of those. We'll come back. We got, I still have 11 <laughs> of those videos and, and probably an infinite amount if we wanted to because the videos are coming out faster than I can play them. All right, I want to highlight a player. If you had listened to any of uh, Jake Shavink's content recently, he has mentioned this player. And uh, since I'm starting to hear the name more and more, I thought that I would um, dabble a little uh, just just to... Just, just so you're you're clear that I'm not making this up. Here is Jake talking about him a little bit. I, I went with Troy Fountainu is always very interesting from Washington, the tackle slash guard that I think Brian, who's obviously here, of course, uh, believes he's going to be the guard, and the Packers would view him as a guard. I believe it's because he's sub six four, right? I think it's a height thing where the Packers traditionally don't go that that small per se at, at the tackle position. I also wanted to play this. This is NFL draft prospects over at um, uh, Pro Football Network with Dalton Miller and Ian Cummings. Here's what they had to say. And let's just stick to the offensive tackle position specifically or offensive line because we were already on it with the Tennessee Titans. Mm -hmm. You had a really, really interesting one with the Green Bay Packers that I haven't seen before. I haven't really paid attention to before. But now that you put it down, I absolutely love because I've been looking at left tackles for them. But what about a left tackle who a lot of people think is going to be a guard at the next level, but very well might just be a left tackle yeah. at the next level as well, a la 
Zach Tom, who was a right tackle, thought a lot of people thought he was going to end up being a guard at the NFL level and is playing his absolute tail off at right tackle for the Green Bay Packers right now, very early in his career. You have Troy Fontenot. Yeah, I honestly I love how you walk I love me, it. I love how you walk me through my own thought process as you're kind of leading into this. It's like <laughs> we got synergy right here for sure. Yeah, like uh, I think the positional flexibility, obviously, right? Like we talked about the Dolphins, they love that. I think the Packers really love that too, because Zach Tom, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, he was a guy I was pretty high on coming out because this is a guy who has five position flexibility if you want him to. He can play wherever you want at a high level. And now he's a potential future starter for them, right? At a very important position. Troy Fotsnew is a guy who the first time I watched him, because I, you know, you see the you see the inklings, right? You kind of see, mm-hmm. you know, little little shreds of what you want to, you know, know about these guys before you get in. Like we can never watch a guy without any impression of them at all. Like you see things, right? And I saw yeah. that some people were projecting him to guard, and so I watch him at tackle. It's like, hang on, why are we projecting him to guard, right? Like I'm I'm all for moving him to guard if that's what we want to do, but. The dude is well leveraged. The dude is athletic. He's got good proportional length for his frame, right? He's around 6'4", I want to say 3'20", 3'25", somewhere in there. But he might have over 34-inch arms, right? So I, there's nothing for me that's pushing him inside. And then you look at how he plays the tackle. I think he has very good footwork, very good recovery capacity, the flexibility with his hips, the ability to just, to just hinge around and seal off lanes, uh, and then the ability to get out and explode out on his kick and, and match guys to the apex. I mean, and then the combative hand usage as well. You know, for me, there's nothing keeping him from staying at tackle. That said, he can play tackle or guard. And if you're the Packers, you know, injuries hit, you know, every year we see that happen. You want to be flexible. You want to be malleable. You want to be able to adapt. And especially especially with Jordan Love hitting his stride and really becoming that franchise QB that they were hoping for him to become, uh, having that extra security in a bona fide starter, I think can be so valuable. And I think they're, they're trending toward his range now too. If they make the playoffs, they're picking in the twenties. I think that's the perfect yeah. range to get a guy like Troy Fotsnew, you know, a guy who maybe not in the Joe Walt, Olu Fashanu tier, but I still think is very, very underrated, very much a first round prospect and very much hits every single thing that the Packers would look for. So I think, and, and this is something that I don't remember if I talked to Jake during derailed or if this was after we went off air but i i brought him up at one point we kind of went through some guys because the question is who is i think this was off air unfortunately but i don't know who is that guy that the the packers are going to be sort of back ish of the first round you know somewhere in the 20s 21 to 28 ish or whatever i don't know and um you know, they're going to be looking at guys in that range, whether that's uh, a Marius Mims tackle or uh, Taliesi Fuaga, however you say his first name. Um, those are the guys projected in that range. But the question is, or Graham Barton, who's the guy that's like early to mid second round that checks all the Packers boxes that the Packers are going to quote unquote reach for that really is a quality first round value but is not really generally seen as a first round value and everyone's going to get super pissed about and Fontenot absolutely checks all the boxes I mean first of all he's he's right now sitting at 41 uh, as far as where he's expected to go so he's sort of that early to mid-ish second round prospect and you heard them describe the guy right Uh, he, he is a guy that might need to become a guard but might also just be good enough to be a tackle, which is great for the Packers who need a tackle, but also could really use a guard. 
They love the flexibility. I mean, in terms of not just like hip flexibility, I mean, flexibility in terms of you can play tackle, guard, center, whatever we need you to do, you can be that dude. And then, and I'm pretty sure uh, Jake brought this up. Um, you could have been talking about somebody else, but you want to talk about prototypical Green Bay Packer in terms of like, for example, their PFF grades. Now, it wasn't always this way. Previous years was a little bit different, but the guy has an 88 pass blocking grade and a 57 run blocking grade. I mean, he is he is a freaking Packer. That's all there is to it. Now, in 2022 and before that, um, he did have grades of run blocking that were in the 70s, but I mean, it's been consistent this year. 40, 50, 50, 50, 60, 60, 50, 78, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50. Those are his run blocking grades. So there's really no doubting the fact that he just doesn't seem to be that guy. Now, he did play... First of all, he is a left tackle currently. He did play a little bit of guard, but not enough to really swing this. Maybe back in 2021 there would have been, but um, he didn't have a good pass blocking grade then, so that doesn't really check out. But, I mean, he he is every single week. His lowest pass blocking grade this year was against Arizona State. It was a 70.1 pass blocking grade. That's his worst day, according to PFF and their grading. And then uh, decided to watch him for myself, and something very rare happened. I've told you before, whenever I find some All-22 video of a guy, they only have their worst games. The only game that they have for Washington offensive line is against Boise State, and Boise State was his highest-graded game of the year. So, uh, 88 pass-blocking grade. Now, it was also his worst run-blocking game of the year, but, you know, you just you got to understand what we're doing here. It's all about the pass blocking. Um, I would put him, first of all, I absolutely understand the Zach Tom comparisons. Um, Largely just because when I watch the guy, I think, why in the world would you want to move this guy to guard? Same thing I always thought about Zach Tom. Like, it just, it doesn't feel like it works, man. He's such a, I'm going to say finesse, but that, that's, you know, he's a, he's a physical violent guy, which is great. But he he is a, maybe technician would be a better way to put it. And I just don't see moving him inside and making that work. And you can see the run blocking just not being a thing. I mean, when he tries to, I mean, pass blocking and run blocking are two very different things. They're just two different skill sets. It's, it's, not, it's not the same thing just going in two different directions. They're two completely different things. And when somebody's coming at him and he's got to, you know, kick step backwards and reset and, and all these different, like he's, he's very good at it getting his body in the right spot and all, but when he's got to be the aggressor and he's got to get his body in a position and try to push, go in the other direction and everything, he just, he's not, he's a Packer, man. I mean, he just, from top to bottom. But I think that's part of the reason why it's it's sort of like, don't love, you know, because there are going to be guys in this process that you're going to watch that, and, and and I like how he moves. He moves, he's, he's quick. But there are going to be guys, I'm sure, that you're going to watch and it's like, he, this is a man mover. And I just freaking love it. So, um that would be my thought. I think he checks every single box that exists, including not being the best run blocker in the world. <laughs> but he does have a lot of physicality and, and tenacity. I hate to be that guy, but I do wonder about arm length. And maybe that's part of the reason people think he's going to be a guard. I know that's an obnoxious comment, always, is is worrying about somebody's arm length. But it just seems noticeable as he's blocking a guy. Like, he can't get somebody off of him. He doesn't have the arm length to separate. So instead, it seems like what he likes to do is punch, do like a two-hand punch. And there have been times when guys have gone airborne, (laughs) which is impressive. But it just, it's one of those things that you look at and go, ah, that kind of sucks. But uh, that is a name to know. 
So keep an eye on Troy Fatanu. And who knows, man, maybe maybe he's not a first-round pick. Maybe we end up stealing him in the second round or something. Maybe get him with that Jets pick, you know. Could happen. But anyways, I'm going to leave you guys with that. Have a great rest of your day. We're going to turn our attention tomorrow looking at the Giants. Obviously want to also look at some of the other games that are going on. And uh, that's all I know for now. We, maybe we'll do another prospect. I'm not sure. I'll have to, I'll have to text Jake and be like, give me a prospect. <laughs> Tell me what to do can't do this. Anyways, have a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.